0: Hello and welcome to Castable. This is the podcast which brings on brilliant guests to pitch their dream music festival. My name's Matt Hoss and I'm the host, and I'm here to guide you around their festival. Today is a live special. Today's guest is Edinburgh Fringe Comedy Award winner and BBC5 Live DJ and all round vibe legend. It's the one and only John Robin. Hey. Hi. Hey.
1: hey. There we go. Hey. Hi hey there. Hello, everyone. How are you doing today, John? A pretty stressful day. Uh, uh, A high voltage power line uh, was severed in uh, the area I live, leaving a thousand homes without power for five hours and the internet. And I was explaining to my girlfriend what a stressful day that meant because I didn't have access to the internet. And she said, why didn't you just tether your phone to
0: your... Laptop and I said because I didn't think of that. <laughs> um, oh, I'm, I'm very sorry to hear, but however, the way you described it, not only was poetic, but it's also sounding a bit rock and roll, you know, like high voltage power cook, you know. It it's felt like, It's felt not rock f- and roll when you've got an 82 year old neighbour <laughs> without uh, an electric oven yeah. mat. Yeah, yeah. I, it's
1: also not rock and roll when you're having a rather heated exchange with the, the <laughs> lady at Tesco customer services about what is and is not on the receipt of the item you're trying to exchange in in, in emergency lighting only. They had to go to a special backup Tesco
0: generator. <laughs> then anyway, now.
1: eventually she backed down.
0: <laughs> well, you, well, to be fair, that does sound like what could be in a new ACDC record. Yeah, I mean, that's the kind of vibe that it gives off for sure. But well, I'm sorry you've had a stressful... Well, I could bit. have
1: done with a little bit more ACDC. <laughs> That was the whole problem.
0: <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> uh, but welcome to Castable, John. It's an absolute privilege to have for you. And uh, so uh, in this, we're going to be talking about music and festivals and uh, stuff we enjoy. Um, so the kind of the first question I always like to ask is, uh, if someone wanted to ask you what kind of music are you into, how do you typically respond?
1: Uh, well, I, ideally, I would sort of load up my iTunes and... <laughs> And, and we, we begin a scrolling.
0: Um,
1: I'm, I, I'm not on... I, I don't do Spotify. Um, I have dabbled with it, but I was sort of... You know, I had to mourn the end of the CD. <laughs> yeah. And I had a very treasured CD collection, but eventually, you know, I got used to iTunes and then I became, came to embrace... Um, play counts, I, I'm afraid I'm not quite ready to mourn uh, iTunes yet Yeah. and also so I'm to the extent at which my computer is actually quite slow because I'm running <laughs> the last OS that has iTunes on it
0: The, the final bastion,
1: yeah It's kind of mad digital nostalgia with iTunes because you can go back to a date, because you can order your songs by last played
0: mm-hmm.
1: so you can sort of scroll back through time and find out what you were listening to on a day of I don't know. Something bad happened. <laughs> <laughs>
0: she um, dumped me in this day. Let's check it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've actually got a
1: playlist from the end from the end of a relationship in the late two thousands.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I know. In certain days where I've had a emotional, um, a very emotional days for uh, for end of relationships and stuff like that, and uh, you know, stick on radio ahead and <laughs> let's see what happens as well. Uh, so is there any particular reason why uh, you're not into the, the streaming atmosphere? Or is it, uh, is it just the kind of, do you love the idea of play counts and that kind of thing? Well, I, I I would like to
1: say it's because I want to have some kind of organic way of discovering music. I don't want to be sort of told what music I should listen to by an algorithm. But I don't think that's true. I think the, the actual truth is I can't, I can't be asked. <laughs> to, to, uh, to like... Also, I sort of... When I when I joined Spotify once, it was like suddenly all my iTunes playlists were viewable by people, yeah, including said late two thousands breakup playlist. And <laughs> like, I, I have quite a lot of anxiety about stuff being in the sort of public domain. Like I I haven't I've done barely any. I think this might even be the first online gig I've done apart from ones I've done with Ellis. Mm-hmm. And I just have this fear that I've somehow written my sort number and a, a, account code <laughs> it's, uh, on, on somewhere that there's like my... <laughs> mum's maiden name and my <laughs> long
0: card number on my shelves. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm actually quite anxious about that uh, I was actually gonna make a joke about like it's been a uh, cast being a long con, but and I, I feel like that's not let's not add to the feel of your anxiety there but no. yeah <laughs> but uh, I must say like um for people who are watching uh, and uh, if you're listening at home um there are uh, your backdrops absolutely wonderful like uh, I I don't want to tread on potentially talking about future topics but you've got a lot of queen in the background a lot of Queen memorabilia,
1: some official, some unofficial, <laughs> some homemade. And that really is the... And also some really nice stuff that people have sent in, like, to the Radio X show, especially when we had lots of posts. So mm-hmm. people, like, made little Freddie cards. And there's a picture there that a girl gave to me at a live gig of me dressed as Freddie standing in the sea.
0: yeah. That's really... <laughs>
1: Sorry, the last part of that sentence just hit me at a certain point, but yeah. Um... I think I said something about just wanting to walk out into the sea, uh, and she uh, she did
0: did me dress this ready doing that. That's a, a very poetic start to this podcast. You really do bring a lot of elegance to this as well. But to kind of dive deeper into your love of music and your uh, the, the, the songs that you love, um, have you what did you ever want to be a musician have you ever learned any instruments uh, yeah i learned
1: the guitar and the electric guitar at school and i was in a few bands with friends when i was a teenager which was was really fun but i never i never got over a sort of a real f- fear of playing in front of people and playing live and also i always found uh, like music theory i just have a real blind spot in my brain for understanding how notes and chords interact with each other so i i was i got to a point where i could kind of copy stuff if it was written down for me in tablature quite well And i even got grade six electric guitar somehow yeah but i i didn't have the understanding of music beyond i would say grade one so i have i mean i have a little acoustic guitar here but every time i pick it up i just hate myself <laughs> so i put it
0: back down again yeah, absolutely, and uh, but yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of people do want to. Um, a lot of comedians do like dabble with music beforehand as well. And uh, uh, is there a, what kind of music? Uh, do you, did you have a band name, or did you play any live gigs, or was it the anxiety too much for you? No, the the band had several names.
1: It began <laughs> as the band that mistook their wife for a hat. <laughs> uh, then it was, I think, for one gig we were called Eskimo Stone. <laughs> and then we were called rock <laughs> and uh, eventually we were Koyana Skatsi. um and we did 3 gigs under that name before we just uh, went our separate ways <laughs> but I probably we probably did like 6 live shows in all
0: yeah yeah
1: i at oh, no, no, a it's a really
0: low level <laughs> I I remember I had very few musical experiences, but I was in a band when I was uh, uh, in year year nine and year ten, and the, our first name was a workstation deviation because we we really, we really want to stick it to the man, John. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, and then uh, we we did American Idiot, but only halfway through because our drummer left halfway through the song. So you know, like it was quite <laughs> punk before it got punk. If you know what I mean. So yeah, it's uh, and I also did a battle of the bands where I just screamed into the microphone because I thought I saw a metal performer do it. I thought yeah, I'm. Pr- I'm pretty metal, uh, but I do have to be at bed at nine o'clock for school tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so, but um, have you been to many music festivals outside of uh, performing at them?
1: Yeah, well, I went to Reading and Leeds,
0: uh, Reading, sorry,
1: Festival when I was a teenager twice. And mm. I really enjoyed that. Um, and then they used to have a, an annual free festival in Bristol called Ashton Court Festival, mm-hmm. which sort of got in. It was the biggest free festival in Europe for a, a time that was uh, uh, unmanageable so they then (laughs) had to charge I think it was a fiver a day Yeah, and we used to go to that every year and it was a big event because you couldn't stay over so sort of Bristol decamped and just walked across the suspension bridge Mm -hmm. um, to Ashton Court Estate and one year and I have no memory of either set um, but Portishead played on the Saturday and Massive Attack played on the Sunday oh that's strong no idea. Can't. I remember one year seeing some kind of very arty Captain Beefheart mm-hmm. interpretation, but it wasn't. And I and I had too much cider and actually ran on stage and, and sort of. Uh, oh god, such a shame memory, but um, committed a cider field rant against how pretentious it was. I then climbed a very tall tree with my shoelaces undone, uh, le- leading my girlfriend at the time to have a panic attack because I was about like sixty foot in the air yeah. in this massive tree. Um, so that was that was great because you could kind of like yeah. there was an end point to it. Whereas I think what I found stressful about Reading Festival when I would have been like sixteen and eighteen mm-hmm. is sort of when does it end? because you sort of come out of the main arena and then there's sort of this lawless period.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there's certainly a Mad Max period, isn't there, where there's fiery tents and uh, anarchy everywhere, absolutely. uh,
1: The the first time I went, it was a very... I think, I can't remember which time it was which, but the second time, I remember on the final day, it was the year that they just started setting fire to everything and I just thought, this isn't really my scene. And then since then, my experience apart from one green man i went to i think the first or second green man festival uh and after that everything's been uh, going to festivals where i've performed mm-hmm. because obviously you miss a lot of the festivals especially by uh doing edinburgh so i missed a lot of green man festivals that all my mates went to but that's that's given me that experience has given me a deep deep dislike for the admin of getting into a festival site <laughs>
0: Um please like honestly this is your time to shine please tell me more about the admin again to a festival what 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 do what, you just like
1: oh abs- <laughs> i i know i now no longer do festivals because i find the process of getting from my car to backstage so infuriating <laughs> because it's sort of like the logistics of it seem to be managed by a mixture of sort of high-vis <laughs> sort of, I, I'm loathe to use the term Jobsworth, but <laughs> quite strict high-vis guys
0: Yeah.
1: sort of that older age rotary club kind of guy who, who just will not see any kind of common sense if you've got the wrong form or the wrong band mm-hmm. um, there's never a car park anywhere near it <laughs> and so you, you're like I'm I'm performing at this festival I need to be here and they're like oh well you have to park in the blue car park and then you have to go to the artist's liaison office but that's at the green entrance and that's not near the, the box office so you park in the blue car park and you go to the green bit and the artist liaison's there but they say oh your wristbands are actually your wristbands are actually at the box office and that's at the 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 purple entrance Mm -hmm. and you're like that that tent there that's 10 (laughs) feet away that's where i need to be in an hour's time oh sorry you need your you've you've only got a a day pass you need an artist's pass to get backstage behind the thing and it just there is there was one occasion i went in the (laughs) festival where i called the i called the person who'd booked me to perform and i said it's taken me 45 minutes from arriving, I'm still no close to getting in. If you don't come, and I'm not like a demanding performer, I was like, if you just don't come to the gate and get me in, I'm driving home because this is ridiculous.
0: Oh, bless it. And, and there's yeah. never any phone signal. Yeah. Um, You're so right. So, so right.
1: It, it's so much easier, bizarrely, to get into a festival if you just. I, there are some times where I've thought, I'll just buy a ticket because <laughs> it's going to be easier. To
0: get in through the main entrance. <laughs> Even if the fee is bigger than that you're actually making a loss on it at that point. <laughs> like another
1: festival, which I also won't Like they got they got parking by the tent, but they won't don't let you use it. So you have to park, then walk to the artist liaison office, then get like a very vague shuttle. Car, and then it takes you to the tent after half an hour, and you're like, "But there's parking? Why couldn't oh well, you had to have this pass to get the parking." You're like, oh, forget it. <laughs>
0: uh. And very, very aptly, we're going to move very quickly onto uh, the next part of the podcast and talking about uh, setting up camp and sorting out the admin for your own festival. Hello, and welcome to the season four festival finale, or should I say, part one of two. Yes, this episode is split into two episodes. Again, like the Felicity Ward specials at the start of the season. And thank you so much for joining us on this journey. It's a real pleasure to have you. If you do like this podcast, please give it a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you may get your podcast from. Every review helps. And if you can do, please write a little message to go with that. If you wanted to get in touch with us directly, why don't you email us at gmail.com. You can also follow us at Castable Podcast on Twitter for more updates and regular teasers. On top of that, why don't you follow me at House Comedy on all the social medias, including Twitch, where I'm doing lots of broadcasting. And do subscribe to my YouTube channel, House Comedy 2. Thank you for being here for such an amazing season, and we'll see you again very soon. Enjoy the rest of this part one with John Robbins. Castable, are you ready? Here we go! And uh, on top of that, uh, Hannah Madison in the chat writes I run a multi-venue inner city festival in Newcastle and I hate the admin I'm so sorry I'm part of this problem Yeah, shame on you Hannah, shame on you So let's find out some basics behind your festival, John. Um, So what is the name of your festival? Oh, it's called The Correct Realm. (laughs) Already a very tight, uh, uh, very on brand for John Robbins. The Correct Realm. Please tell me more. Well,
1: The Correct Realm is um, unfortunately going to make a massive loss (laughs) as a festival uh, because it's what I can only describe as a clearing in a wood (laughs) Um, <laughs> it's it's actually a, a 5,000 capacity clearing, but we're only going to sell 2,500 tickets.
0: Okay, yeah, um, yeah, yeah.
1: Because I I really do like sort of places that are sort of half full. Yes. Yeah. Um, Oops. And uh, there's a, I, I really like, there's a festival called The End of the Road. Yes. And I really like how that festival is, like they've got a main bit, but it's quite well thought out in terms of There's lots of like little bits in woodland. So you go down to there's a little comedy Mm -hmm. stage like in the woods and then you sort of follow fairy lights and there's a little bar in the woods. And then there's like the big main bit. But what I don't like is those huge sort of just dust bowl, you know, like a thousand falafel shops (laughs) in a big horseshoe shape. (laughs) And it sort of takes so long to walk. I quite like discovering little small Mm -hmm. spaces and how they've. And I think End of the Road has a sister festival run by the same people, which mm-hmm. I, the name escapes me. i performed at both of them mm-hmm. and it's booked. Um, the comedy is run by a comedian called Sarah Bonetto and they're yes. such nice festivals. No Direction Home, thank yes. you very much. You. They're so cool and chilled and you never feel like you're sort of lost or rammed in. Well, you're lost, but in a nice way. Yes. In that you're lost between the... Fairy like rum bar and the comedy <laughs> bit, but you don't feel sort of too exposed or uh, hemmed in. So the the the, the fest my festival, the correct, correct realm, is always at half capacity. <laughs> um, but even though it's in sort of quite remote woodland, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's got a massive one thousand space car park right by the entrance. <laughs> And the nearest train station is just a short cab ride away and there are infinite cabs and there is not one shuttle bus in sight because I've never, ever seen a shuttle bus system at a festival that is anything other than complete guesswork.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So it's the correct realm and it's the correct uh, um, way to sort it out as well. Um, So I think there's lots of interesting things there to kind of uh, develop in. Firstly, I love the ideas of your sponsors being like, John, you know you're going to make a loss at this festival. Uh, don't you want to sell more tickets? And You're just like, "Nah. It's going to be a profound loss. It's going to
1: it's going to ruin pretty much everyone who backs the festival, but it will mean we have a much nicer time.
0: But we have saved money on the shuttle buses, so that's a positive, mm. you know. <laughs> but um but yeah, so um where you said there's woodlands, uh mm. whereabouts geographically in the world is uh, is the festival held? Um I'm going to say it's
1: it's just it's just south of the M4 corridor. <laughs> Lovely stuff. So, in a real emergency, you could walk to Reading Services in an hour. <laughs> so, it's, I'm going to say it's three and a half miles from Reading Services.
0: Um, but you can't hear the traffic. You know, in the history of doing this podcast, uh, firstly, that's the most precise place we have. Because sometimes people just say, oh, in this vague area, we've gone... Three miles away from renting services, and also um, in this festival we have unlimited stipulations, so you can kind of do whatever you want. And it's the first time I've heard. You know, uh, we can't hear traffic noises, which is genuinely uh, that's a thing that at festivals. Which you can definitely hear quite a lot as well. So, uh, you, you, this is uh, truly the correct realm. So, in terms of like. To, to kind of elaborate more on the, the fact that it's half capacity, uh, I know you said you like the feeling of being lost, but how many people would you ideally like at the festival? And do you like it to be a bit more sparse and stuff like that? Do you, do you kind of uh, not enjoy the kind of crammed crowds? Well, no. Uh, you want a vibe, yeah. but
1: you don't want it to to be too busy. There's nothing worse than like when there's there's not enough food stalls and you've just got like half hour queues for food so what I imagine in this clearing which if if you sort of see is like a sort of um like a a, a rectangle with a circular end and the circular end is the stage yeah. well, sort of as the trees begin there are lots of bars in the trees yeah not in not like go away <laughs> but get a Kariba hook and climb up yeah sort of on the on the on the uh the sort of transition from tree to clearing mm-hmm. is just lined with bars. Mm-hmm. And you can... And some of them are pubs, like sort of hobbits-like pubs. Mm-hmm. So you can go into them or you can sit outside of them and each of them has a max, maximum ca- capacity of about 50 inside. Yeah. And I've, I have... Does the phrase pizza conveyor belt mean anything to you,
0: <laughs> Matt? I have no idea. I'm sorry. I've
1: I've given some thought to... A system of... Imagine imagine a circular conveyor belt that goes through ovens yeah. in, at stages. Yeah. And before it gets there, there are little Subway sandwich-style topping stations
0: mm-hmm.
1: with pre-rolled-out pizza bases. So basically, at any point, at any stage in the festival, you can pop up to one of the conveyor belts, mm-hmm. you can make your pizza at one of the stations... You pop it on the conveyor belt that then takes it through an oven. One of, say, I would say 12 ovens. Yeah. Uh, It takes about five minutes to get through the oven. And then the other side, you pick up your pizza.
0: Lovely stuff.
1: So it's sort of constant rotating pizza availability.
0: You'd really describe my dream festival. Pizza and like at pubs and trees. It sounds very Mm. idyllic. It's nice. Um, And one thing, uh, I don't ask this for every guest, but I feel that this is a very important uh, question to ask you. John, what is on the drafts? What beers, what alcohols have you got for your festival? Great question. Um,
1: Guinness <laughs> at a superb temperature. A mm-hmm. um, uh, sort of at at Festival, I always tease the promoter because they have a, it's this insane selection of <laughs> ales that always sells out about halfway through the second day. But they've got, like, 30 different kegs behind the bar. I really like (laughs) that. Um, But, uh, yeah, I would have, like, sort of a selection of uh, ales. uh, No stronger than 4.5%. You've got to keep it session at the festival, for sure. Absolutely got to keep it session. Um, It's also staffed by a huge contingent of undercover litter police. (laughs) So... I'm gonna say about ten percent of the festival attendees are undercover litter police. Who also who are also fully qualified and trained police officers in the event of more serious crimes, but they're there mainly to control litter, which is a very simple it's just an on the spot twenty quid fine. And if you if you there are cash machines on site uh, but the cash machine ch- charged two pounds fifty to withdraw money, so it's yeah. a twenty-two pounds fifty fine in real terms. Um, but obviously, they're, they're also there to, to protect uh, to, to protect everyone against all in, in, in uh, infractions of law.
0: What wow. um, <laughs> you know? What that's actually genuinely a great idea, and uh, and that also that that bank fine from uh, the extra 2.50, That's how that's how you get the money back. That's that's how you make up your losses as well, and uh, but yeah, I think that's that's really cool because uh, genuinely a massive issue with um, a lot of festivals is that is the clear up afterwards. It's really ridiculous, and people have to like volunteers have to go and uh, spend the days clearing up, and it's really quite sad to see. And uh, especially when a lot of festivals pride themselves on being environmentally friendly, and people just drop Drops off on the floor, so I think a litter police would be very uh, like uh, that would be very satisfying to watch in real time. In fact, that could be one that acts on the stage, just watching someone getting a fine for it. Whew. Like a highlights package,
1: yeah, brilliant. Yeah, so yeah, that's the sort of the main vibe focus. There are other little sort of clearings in the woodland for uh, chill out zones, uh, maybe a little cocktail bar in the forest, uh, but it's all quite close together, and it all is sort of like, like a central hub mm-hmm. uh, if you will and it's all in view of the car park so you know you look at that way and you're like oh this is beautiful this is a magical realm and you go that way the the is okay I, I can see
0: it from here absolutely uh, brilliant stuff and uh, final question of this uh, section is um um is uh camping at your festival are you a fan of camping i uh, i sort of I
1: really, I, I mean, I've camped as a youth. I was in Cubs, Scouts, Beavers, um, camped at festivals. I never had a good enough tent, so my tent always sort of. I remember one year the, the lining of my tent perished, and I woke up and I just had this like black plastic, like oh. dots of plastic dust all over me, and I just couldn't. It was horrible. Yeah, couldn't get them off. There is camping, but again. To pursue our loss making policy it's um, it's it 's glamping, but it it really we 're not charging people too much because some of the glamping costs now for like a
0: mm-hmm.
1: for, for a decent sort of tent for two people to stay in you look at like six or seven hundred quid. Mm-hmm for a weekend and I've seen them go up to like three grand.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And And I,
1: I, I am someone fascinated by the finances and logistics of putting on festivals. So every festival I ever go to, I always annoy the promoters because I'm like, how much does that cost? How much do you rent that? Do you have to pay for storage for that? Are the security 24 hours? How much is the license? Are you, are you getting money from the the pizza panel? So I love all that stuff. And let me tell you, putting on a festival is
0: a ball ache. And it is phenomenally expensive. I feel like every time you, you've asked those promoters for that, you've just, been, you've just been doing prep in anticipation of this podcast for years. Even before it even existed, you were like, you know what, let's do castable prep. You'll be know? yeah, like,
1: what, what's Tim Key on for this? How much are you paying Key? Am I on at least half of Key? I say that so much to this one promoter. How much is Key getting?
0: Anyway, I think it's time to head to uh, the main stage of your festival and learn which wonderful acts you are going to play. About to some smited like I know I should But I just remember that I left it in the club I don't know how I'll get my high I take a look around and know I sigh But then my salvation, it comes through Cause I'm inhaling pure O2 Cause I'm going in to the Oxygen 10 That yeah. no, was actually quite
1: disappointing. Well, it's it's a three-day festival, mm-hmm. I should I should tell you. Uh, are you doing Friday, Saturday and Sunday, John? Uh, yes, doing Friday, Saturday and Sunday, but mm-hmm. there's a pre-lash day.
0: Yes, hello, tell me more.
1: My favourite bit of getting to Reading was always the first day when you set up on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a pre-lash day on the Thursday, which is just just sort of boozing in the <laughs> in the bars. And for the pre-lash day, I've actually booked a classical pianist. Yes. Who is just playing in a corner of the woods. Uh, and I'm trying to get into more classical music, but I picked a pianist called Anna Fedorova. Brilliant. And she has got range, uh, which is what I'm looking for, because uh, I'm thinking a bit of Debussy, I'm thinking a little bit of Rachmaninoff when things get a bit more uh, party time. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking some uh, Mm Rimsky-Korsakov. I'm thinking a little bit of Mozart. So she is a very emotional, emotive pianist. So uh, I'd like her, please, because I really like her version of uh, Rachmaninoff's third concerto. So she's there on the pre-Lash day. Mm -hmm. and, And also because all of the acts start from about three o'clock mm-hmm. she can she can also play before the 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 main stage opens uh, each day there's a bit of background music
0: oh i love that you what you've done really well so far and before even getting to the acts you've really built a lovely atmosphere and i think that you've really um it's you can sense that from your love of the end of the road festival and like the uh, it's it's very charming your festival and uh yeah, it's um, uh, it feels like it's a safe pair of hands here, John. And is there anything else you'd like to add for your pre lash day? And uh, what's the nightlife like as well? Is it quite crazy or is it toned down? No, it's not crazy, but it's there's lots of little
1: nooks in the woods. But bear in mind the litter police are there, <laughs> so no drug taking in the woods because the litter police will be on you. It's so... all every single inch of the festival is monitored by CCTV as well, because I I hate the idea. What, of uh, criminality. <laughs> but also I I hated that sense at Reading and Leeds that like someone is getting mugged right now. Yeah. Someone's tent is getting cut open and they're, they're having all their stuff stolen. And, mm-hmm. you know, they have bought one bottle of vodka to last them and their mates the whole weekend. And someone's just nicked it and they can't afford. Because when you're like 16, 17 going to festivals, I just remember... Like, there was I just had so little money mm-hmm. and it's so expensive. Like now, lucky enough to sort of have a bit of disposable income so it doesn't matter if a pint's six quid. I mean, I'll still go, oh, <laughs> Jesus. But, like, it's fine. But the idea at Reading of drinking from the actual bar, mm-hmm. no way
0: yeah, yeah, were
1: you ever able to afford that because they were like at the time it would have been like three quid or something a pint, but you're like, I can't have three quid a pint. <laughs> so... Yeah, there's no illegality at the festival.
0: Absolutely, and uh, if you did see someone uh, partaking in any illegal substances, what would you, John Robbins, do uh, um, uh, to uh, apprehend that person?
1: Um, I would. Sim- I'm obviously hooked up to all of the litter police with a little um, <laughs> a little thing. I'd actually have one in my ear because yeah. I don't like it when those go off during
0: bands. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: So I'd just be like, um, I have, I have scented doob in the Westwood. <laughs> Repeat scented doob in the Westwood.
0: I also imagine that you've memorized like the whole of the festival It's like a checkered grid. So, like, um, all right, Litter, please move to C4. Move to mm. C4. There are mm. doobies undertaking. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to your first act of your Friday. Who is the, after Anna played, uh, who is the first act on after, who's starting off your festival, true and proper?
1: So, day one, um, 3 pm, is Neutral Milk Hotel.
0: Yes, please. That sounds wonderful. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's going to be superb. And the great thing about Neutral Milk Hotel is they're definitely going to play uh, in the aeroplane over the sea because they've only got two albums. <laughs> Yeah. so um, it would be would be pretty churlish
0: of them not to play it <laughs> yeah it'd be quite uh, quite passive aggressive if anything <laughs> yeah. yeah but we're just going to play it. it's the first album called like it's like Garden Head or something like that or is it no it's you know, on Avery Island Avery Island absolutely yeah and um, so tell us a little bit about um, Neutral Milk Hotel because um, like obviously In the Aeroplane of the Sea is a very iconic album it's a it's kind of a cult hit and uh, does that have any resonance to you and why is it suitable to be the opening act of that well, weekend
1: I've I've split the three days into three sort of musical eras for me. Brilliant. So day one is like, well, not strictly, but day one is sort of late 90s indie. Nice. Day two is sort of alt folk and day three is big hitters. But I, I used to listen to In the Airplane Over the Sea when I drove from Bristol to Cardiff. So when I first started out, i do a weekly open mic night on a Sunday in Bristol, then next Sunday in Cardiff, then back to Bristol and mm-hmm. uh, in the airplane over the sea is pretty much exactly the time it takes to drive from uh Bristol to cardiff
0: and that's that's a special album when you find that thing that fits perfectly mm. and um as a comedian one of the the nice one of the, the best feelings in the world is coming home after the drive, and the album ending perfectly at that point is it's it's a very it doesn't happen often, but when it does it's magical
1: and I think like the albums that have stayed with me the most to perhaps the ones that the first time I heard them, I was like, what is this? What is this? I don't really get what this is. And in the airplane over the sea, is was definitely, uh, one of those. Mm-hmm. And just these sort of, it, it's very hard in any art form to recreate the experience of dreams. But I think that in the airplane over the sea is the best ever depiction of dre- a dreamlike state and whenever i'm reading a novel and the narrator starts to describe a dream i immediately like zone out and i just sort of can't be asked. and i think it's sort of pointless to try but especially something like O mm-hmm. or um mm-hmm. absolutely two two-headed boy i yeah. i just i immediately feel like i'm having a dream which is much better than feeling like you're hearing someone describe a dream
0: absolutely and there's a i absolutely agree with you as well the first time i listened to it it was like on a train to york and i'm just like i don't it's like for an album which has a lot of hype, it's quite hard to kind of get that emotion. I'm not quite sure what it is, but now it feels very—it's very comforting to listen to it. And uh, and also uh, talking more about the dream aspect of it as well. There's highs and lows, there's slower periods, there uh, there is uh, surreal bits. But also, I love the finality of it as well with Two Headed Boy Part Two and how it, like it kind of loops back in the end. And like in my dreams, there's, there's like callbacks at the end. If you know what I mean, it's <laughs> it's already structured. And yeah, it feels very special that album.
1: Yeah, totally. It always feels like it's sort of zooming in and out of very from sort of very mundane detail that Mm -hmm. sometimes can take on significance in a dream to much sort of bigger scale uh,
0: scenes. Absolutely. Well, let's move on. Uh, Let's let's see who else you have on your Friday as well. And uh, uh, who else have you got after Neutral Milk Hotel?
1: So four o'clock, Cass
0: McCombs. Hello. Yes, Cass McCombs.
1: Who I've seen a uh, few times now, and I've actually met a couple of times. In 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 fact, I actually managed to wangle getting him on the five
0: live show. Yes, and he ain't a chatty, <laughs> he ain't a chatty guy. You right, don't uh, like talking. I gotta be honest, John. um I've done obviously with doing this. I've done research with. Uh, I did research into Cas humans, and I listened to that interview, and I wasn't gonna bring it up, but it was. Yeah, you, uh, you can see. I love it when you were trying to bring out some kind of. It's, yeah, you were doing really amazingly as an interviewer, but it was like, yep. <laughs> yeah. oh, well, it was just like, there's no point. I mean, I would much rather someone's
1: agent say, look, um, Cass is jet-lagged. So he really is very self-conscious. He's very shy. He doesn't really like talking about his music. He just wants to play the songs and go, and you go, absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. But don't, don't just like completely stonewall someone... Yeah. You know, trying to give you coverage that I was desperate, desperate to give him. And Mm -hmm. I had my friend, my best friend, Robin, then, who is an insane Castle McCombs fan, like absolutely worships him. And you Mm. you think, I know, I know you hate this sort of thing. I know exactly what it's like. I know, (laughs) I know what it's like to get off a plane and be tired and then to have someone say where to get your ideas from. But you sort of have, you know, that person is doing their job and that person Mm. is trying to help and they're being kind and so just make an effort <laughs> or don't or say no no interview that's fine mm-hmm. but uh, anyway uh, that memory aside <laughs> his his live performances oh my gee so good so, so tight
0: and so what does Kaz McComb's music mean to you and why is it uh why is he playing at, the, at your specific festival well I, I came to him quite
1: late and I've listened to different albums of his at different times so wit's end I was listening to in sort of 2017 when I met my now fiance so I have strong associations of being around at her first uh, the, the flat she had listening to a song called that's that which mm-hmm. is just superb then there's a song called Medusa's Outh- outhouse on an, his album Mangy Love, mm-hmm. which is just one of the most heartbreaking songs I've ever heard in my entire life. Mm-hmm. But then he's got an album called um, Catacombs. I mean, all his albums are amazing. That's what's said. There's, mm-hmm. so there's a song called County Line and My Sister, My Spouse that I listened to in Edinburgh in 2011 <laughs> when I was not having a very nice time. I'm and yeah. uh, walking through Cowgate <laughs> listening to Cass Coombs was sort of the only real respite so bless um, and yeah so i really really uh really like Cass. don't have to meet him in person at the (laughs) festival just (laughs) he's not being paid for that just come and do your set
0: going (laughs) i tell you what Cass, get on the shuttle bus home mate come on (laughs) but brilliant and uh it, it must be kind of hard meeting your heroes and not quite Having that engagement, but let's um, but let uh, let's see who else you have on this well. and uh, who who's after Casmicoons? Uh, so at five o'clock. It's Magnolia
1: Electric Company. Oh, hello. Yes, one of my all-time favorite bands. Uh, and this is the first uh, musician we're going to have to uh, resurrect because sadly, um, mm-hmm. Jason Molina died. Um, lost a... Well, am I, I going to use the word battle? No, no. he was decimated by alcoholism mm-hmm. I think is that the only real way to say it there is an absolutely heartbreaking obituary of him uh, written by uh, a friend of his about his final years and how he struggled with booze but um I saw them and it'll be one of my great what's the opposite of a regret <laughs> um a kind of happy memory one of yeah, one of the things I'm gladdest I did was they, they played at Bush Hall in London in yeah. 2000 and maybe 2010, and I just didn't have anyone to go with, so I just drove to I just drove there, and uh, from Bristol and went to watch them, and then very sadly, ten years later, I went to watch the tribute show with that the remaining band members did mm-hmm. uh, after he died, which was a very very moving experience, and I was there. And I was at the merch table buying two t shirts, and um, there was a comedian there behind me. What? It was, um, oh, sod. What's his name? Sean. God, this is embarrassing. <laughs> well, anyway, there was a comedian I like there.
0: <laughs> it was Kaz right. and uh, no, sorry. <laughs> a comedian
1: I really like, his name I'm now going to. Google has just gone completely out of my head. I don't think it even is Sean. Sorry, Sean, if you're listening, mate. I remember you. I'm terrible with names at the moment. Excuse me. Um, yes, sir. But um, they're 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 not dissimilar from Neutral Milk Hotel in in many ways. But they've got a song called uh, Oh My God, John. Your brain. A uh, farewell transmission. Yeah. Which is just one of the all-time best songs ever, mm-hmm. uh, but the, the, their best album, I think, is a was a box set called the Sojourner box yes. set, yeah. um, which is just superb. So I, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I would, I would definitely have Magnolia Electric Company there.
0: Brilliant. And um, uh, so, how many other acts have you got on for your Friday, John?
1: Uh, Three more on Friday. Brilliant. So, uh, Magneto Electric Company are followed by Car Seat Headrest.
0: Yes! Oh, sorry, I get, I get very... Um, some some of the artists are sent to me beforehand, some of them are not. That was a genuine reaction. Love Car Seat Headrest. Yes. Yes, mate. So, they're,
1: they're playing uh, Teens of Denial. <laughs> uh, they're, they're just... It's a flawless album. Mm-hmm. And I was introduced to them by a sort of a mixture of Matt Crosby and James Acaster mm-hmm. uh, somehow between them. And... I then I used songs uh, from that album as the walk-in music and the walk-on music for The Darkness of Robbins when I did that show. So that, that uh, album always takes me back to being backstage in the Cabaret Bar in Edinburgh. In a, yeah. A very, very special time for me. So, um, and, and I saw them twice. I saw them at the... I think at the Shepherds Bush Empire. But the best ones, I saw them at the Roundhouse... And um, everyone there was really young, Mm -hmm. like younger than me. (laughs) And I was there with my girlfriend and we were stood at the front and they came on and fuck, they're cool and young, the (laughs) band, (laughs) like really gorgeous. And he just starts playing this song and I'm thinking, I don't know this song. And he, and he goes, boom, 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 and I went, fuck, that's Waves of Fear by Lou Reed. Yeah, yeah. Like within two seconds of the start of this first chord he played on stage, I thought, that's that's Waves of Fear by Lou Reed. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is going, what's this? <laughs> when he when he when he kicks in and actually goes says Waves of Fear, I just screamed. <laughs> So I was like this old guy yeah. at a young rock concert. The only one there who had, knew anything about this quite obscure Lou Reed song. Yeah. Just losing my shit at the front <laughs> of the crowd. And I was like, I cannot believe car seat are playing Waves of Fear by Lou Reed. This is just one of the coolest moments of my life. My girlfriend is sort of edging (laughs) away from me. (laughs) Sort of this gap appears around me in the audience. But it was just one of my favourite ever experiences of live music was hearing Carsey Headrest play a Lou Reed song. I love it when my heroes are fans of my other heroes.
0: Yes. I
1: find that... I get quite emotional, actually, when I read an interview with Captain Beefheart where he talked about a Philip Larkin poem that's one of my favourite poems. I was like, how... Is Captain Beefheart, who lives in a van in the Mojave Desert talking about my favourite Philip Larkin poem and I loved when I read an interview with Frank Zappa where he talked about he said something like the interviewer said what music are you listening to and he said oh Brian May is the only person making anything interesting right now mm-hmm. and, yeah. and, and I was like what
0: yeah. <laughs> and then
1: I read an interview with Brian May where he talked about really liking DVD audio CD of a Halloween concert that Frank Zappa put out and it's. Yeah. I love those little connections and when um, when artists I like cover other artists mm-hmm. I like I, I, that gives me a real buzz.
0: That's wonderful stuff. Um, so who was on after Carsey Headrest as well? So after headdress Headrest we got Pulp. Yes! you were the
1: first band I ever saw live. Really? Birmingham NEC in 1996. How old were you at the time? 14... Yeah, maybe it was 97. No, I think it was
0: 96. Yeah, I've still got the T-shirt. Yes. <laughs> I still wear it. It still fits. That's amazing. Uh, and I've got like, um, to, to my shame, uh, I, I used to be a massive fan of Blink-182, but it's, it's got like holes in it now and like it's barely functioning as well. But like, uh, I, I just, rem- I, I say it's punk and I just like kind of get on my day as well. But uh, <laughs> yeah, is it is it starting to wear thin and stuff like that?
1: Uh, no it's it's held up remarkably well um, and I also saw them in Edinburgh in it would have been 2000 so long before I was up there doing comedy mm-hmm. but I was up at the festival watching theatre and uh, saw them play and, I was, oh, and that's another thing I'm really glad to have seen but they uh, I think they fit in that bill really nicely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then headlining day 1 is Godspeed You Black Emperor. Yes. I've sort of had to put on last because you can't really follow them. Yeah. And also it's going to be a really nice intense vibe for when we're all sort of uh, sat outside our bars once the revolving pizza conveyor belt's been shut down. <laughs> um,
0: but uh, but yeah, we're we still got, uh, we're enjoying the music but keeping an eye in the car park at all mm-hmm. times as well. But um so I think fans of yours will know Godspeed, You Black Emperor, but like uh, if anyone here hasn't um, encountered them before, can you give them a little bit of a background? On, um, what do they mean to you? Well, so Godspeed were
1: one of the uh, sort of trailblazers of the Montreal post-rock scene in the mid to late 2000s on a record label called Constellation, mm-hmm. and it was quite an incestuous uh, band scene so lots of them played in lots of different bands so there are Sort of Godspeed-related projects like A Silver Mount Zion and Fly Pan Am, and I first saw them at the fl- Fleece in Bristol in nineteen ninety seven or eight. I I got a, a CD on the front cover of Enemy called Enemy Annual Probe Volume Two, I think, mm-hmm. and it had Royal Trucks. Godspeed, Mercury Rev, um, Afghan Wigs. Wow. Uh, Elliot Smith. It was just this insane, like, free CD looking back on it. Mm-hmm. And there was a song on it called The Dead Flag Blues by Godspeed, which is this sort of voiceover of, like, a post apocalyptic scene which I'm aware is a contradiction in terms Um, a voiceover of an apocalyptic scene I'll re-edit that yeah and um, it just begins the car is on fire Um, and uh, there's no driver at the wheel and the cities are all empty with a thousand lonely suicides and a cold wind blows something like that And I was just like, yeah, yeah, whatever this is, I'll have this for the rest of my life, please. And they brought out an EP called F-sharp, A-sharp, no, the first album was called F-sharp, A-sharp, infinity. Yeah. And uh, then they brought out an EP called Slow Riot for New Zero Canada. Mm -hmm. And it just absolutely blew me away. It's the most intense first listen I've ever had to any music in my life. Uh, A song called Moya from slow riot ep mm-hmm. and it's basically like a sort of 9 to 12 piece rock instrumental orchestra is the only way i can really describe it with sort of these 12 minute long mm-hmm. um build ups and crescendos and and then the, the an album called lift your skinny fists like antennas to heaven mm-hmm. is i think a complete flawless masterpiece
0: and uh, the the opening track of that which i believe is storm it's like uh, it's 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 quite it's, it's a musical experience like no other because it's it as you say it's like a, a musical crescendo and it takes you places and I, I found it kind of odd because it it was far more emotive than I thought it would be and I, I'm I'm still trying to figure it out now to be honest because like I was just sat in a room listening to it and it just it it does it for. In my head, it was just oh, it's instrumental music and uh, it builds up, but it's more than that. There's building blocks there, and there's uh, yeah, there's a lot of nuance and uh, yeah, it, it felt like a journey for me. It
1: it 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 still feels when I listen to it now, unlike anything
0: else, mm-hmm. e-
1: even in terms of like unlike any other genre of music I'd ever heard, mm-hmm. and even though there are lots of bands that so, like, I guess the more popular version is Explosions in the Sky, mm-hmm. but they. They came a bit later, but that whole Montreal scene I found very, interested, very interesting, and I was also listening to a lot of Mogwai at the time as well, so I got mm. Young Team and F-sharp, A-sharp, Infinity the same year at, at sixth form, and mm. I was just sort of gone into this <laughs> world. Um, so it, you, so once you've heard it, you'll realise that you can't have someone on after them. I once saw them in a church in Bristol playing with Sig Ross. yeah. So Sigoros first, and Godspeed second, and Crikey Moses, what <laughs> an experience that was! The Trinity Centre in Bristol.
0: And um, so, h- when they're playing your festival, um, when Godspeed are playing, um, how are the theatrics? Is it are they doing a lot of uh, stuff on stage, or is it is it quite flashy, or is it just quite minimalistic? What's the vibe? No, they're very static
1: as a band. So they, I've seen them maybe three or four times, but they play a lot of uh projections and sort of short films and looped videos so that would be being projected on the trees I think probably. <laughs> but like... You've got like a violinist a cellist uh, two bassists three guitarists two drummers all that kind of thing.
0: Brilliant stuff. And that's a perfect way to finish off your Friday and uh it's a pretty intense day as well as a it lot is of... an intense day. and <laughs> um, but tell you what a lot of dreams will be made that day. Um and that is the end of part one with John Robbins. We'll be back with episode 40 and the season finale of this interview next week, where we'll see John Saturday and Sunday. Please support John by going onto his website, johnrobbins.com, and following him on social media at Nomadic Reverie. Uh, do check out his BBC Five Live show as well as his podcast, How Do You Cope? There's lots of uh, really great content on there. And thank you so much for listening. Uh, join us next week for our final episode of this live special. And make sure to follow Castle Podcast on social media, and f- to follow me at My House Comedy on social media too. Give this podcast a five star rating, share it with your friends, and finally, please give a massive thank you. And join us next week for John Robbins. Hey. Hey. <laughs> hey.